What's up, everybody? It's Mario from Get Super with Mario on the uh, Cinema 7 Network. This episode here I recorded last week from when I uploaded it. Uh, it was right after New Year's. Me and my friend Gil, we talk about the AEW pay-per-view World's End, which premiered uh, December 30th. And then we also talk about the Raw right afterwards, uh, the Monday night, January 1st, with The Rock a little bit. And we talk a little bit about Cody Rhodes and things like that. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Uh, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, just feel free to let me know. Craig. <laughs> I'm here with uh, my main man Gil, and we're going to be talking about AEW uh, World's End, and we're also going to be talking about Monday Night Raw from uh, January 1st, New Year's Day. Day and, one. Uh, day one, that's right. Um, I'm going to break down this uh, match card real quick. It's uh, for AEW's uh, World's End. Zero Hour, which is their pre-show was Willow Nightingale versus Chris Statlander. Thank you for that one, AEW. The uh, second one was the Battle Royal, which Killswitch, or was that the last zero-hour match? That was actually the third match, uh, the Battle Royal. Yeah, because FTW Championship Hook uh, versus uh, Willow Yuta, that was uh, second, which right. I don't know about you. How do you feel about Willow Yuta? I'm going to ask you that. Wheeler Yuta to me, I mean, I can see the I could see the talent. Mike skills not so much. I I I guess he fits in with, you know, the um Blackpool Combat Club. But Wheeler Yuta to me, I don't see going beyond that. Um I, like Hook to me, I feel I can see the progression in his in ring ability. Um I just feel yeah. like he's a much younger Taz. Yeah, he's just Taz with hair. Definitely. Uh, and then Killswitch, a.k.a. Uh, Luchasaurus, uh, won the 20-man battle royal for the TNT title shot, which, uh, go figure, I think that was pretty predictable. Yeah, I, I don't... Okay, so Killswitch, is, is the Luchasaurus now dropped, or you know, is that still something that he'll use? Killswitch, to me, I was like, okay, I don't really feel the new name. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't either. Like, I, I when I was watching the pay per view, I was like, why, why is it like if he's gonna be kill switch, change the mask at least, because uh, he's still got the dinosaur mask. Right, and if you're going by kill switch, what does the dinosaur mask have anything to do with <laughs> kill switch? Yeah, like, <laughs> like, like you could have just named more, them Big Bang. Yeah, exactly. Make it more like Slipknot looking, maybe. I don't know. Like, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I don't get the whole still the dinosaur mask thing unless they slowly get rid of the mask i don't know because wasn't there a lawsuit with the mask or something yeah Crap. i think they, they there was a lawsuit in regard to the mask and they made a couple different variations of the mask i know that they like filed down the horns of it and like changed the color and did something around like the snout area of the of the mask but like there was a whole big thing on the mask, and then the name change came, and he still has the damn dinosaur mask. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Before we get into this pay-per-view, I probably should have done this first, but let's get to know you, Gil. Let's get to, let's get to know uh, some of the things you're into uh, and uh, some of your wrestling fandom. Now, movie-wise, I know you like a lot of horror movies. Michael Myers, uh, you even have a Chucky tattoo. I even have a Michael Myers and a Pennywise tattoo since leaving Geek Squad. Oh shit! Okay. Yeah. So I um, nope. I'm big. I'm big into horror movies. Love horror movies. The horror genre. Um, I am big in the, of course, wrestling, sports, entertainment. The the whole whole nine. I grew up on the Attitude Era, and even some before that. I, I grew up a big Bret Hart fan. Um, a lot of People thought I was a big Hulk Hogan fan because I used to have one of the wrestling buddies, but I was more of a Bret Hart and Ultimate Warrior fan growing up than I was a Hulk Hogan fan. Um, and then 
being in the Attitude Era, you know, of course, there was the whole DX, uh, NWO thing, Stone Cold, The Rock, Undertaker, you know, those guys were big and instrumental in how I viewed wrestling. Um, WCW definitely played a role in, in my fandom as well, uh, because I felt like it was a really really good alternative at the time it wasn't like how it is now where like a lot of people know about an indie circuit or anything like that or even people just knowing about the territories back then um so i go back and i I try to rewatch a lot of older stuff and just get a lot of education on it and try to get a feel for more of the the newer and upcoming stars whether it be in AEW or um impact which is now going back to tna or uh, NXT and WWE. Uh, um, I, I watch it all almost. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a really big sports fanatic, uh, big big time Yankees fan. As I'm from New York, uh, I love the Jets instead of the Giants, which a lot of people are like a Yankees and a, and a Jets fan. Aren't you supposed to be a Mets and Jets? Nah, I was I was grown up. Uh, my mom was a Yankees fan. My dad was a Jets fan, so that's where I got those from. Yeah, I I. Uh... It's weird because where I'm from, uh, we're closer to Philly. Even the when I lived in Jersey, they're they're close to uh, it's closer to Philly because it's like South Jersey, and the part of Pennsylvania I'm in, you know, the teams are either the Giants or the Eagles on everything, and all the liquor stores or whatever are always Giants Eagles. And um, when I tell people I like the Steelers, you know, they're like, "Oh, don't you like the Eagles? You're from that like area," and I'm like. Uh, I don't know. Like when I was a kid, I don't know if I told you this, Gil, but my mom actually dated someone on the practice squad, the Eagles, because my mom and dad were divorced when I was younger. It wasn't Vince from Pauly, now was it? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I don't even know who the fuck this guy was. I, I, I no, my mom doesn't even remember his name. So, because I tried to look him up, but. Anyway, I don't think he did anything significant. I don't even remember. But I just remember, this guy's not my dad. Fuck this guy. You know, I'm like, this guy's not my dad. So I asked my Great. dad who he liked, and he was like, I like the Steelers. Like, that's my team. That's my team now. <laughs> that, that's right. That's literally how it, how it happens, how we fall in line. We just follow, you know, yeah. who, who our parents like, I guess, you know. That, that's at least how it came to me, and it sounds like the same for you. I mean, although you had the... The uh, great value Vince Papali, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what he, what position he was. I don't even think my mom doesn't even remember. It was probably just some guy she met at a bar or some shit when she was saying, "I have no idea." Probably a punter. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like uh, I know this is very subjective. You know, everyone has their own favorites and and all that. Who is on your Mount Rushmore? Jesus, Mount Rushmore. Um, okay, uh, let's see. Throwing together a Mount Rushmore is what, like five, right? Uh, how many heads are on the damn Mount four, Rushmore? I think like it's four, four, four or five heads. Yeah, we'll do five because you know what's that uh, little bighorn monument that's right next door? We'll we'll count that as like an honorable mention. Okay, all right. So if I had to go Mount Rushmore. Uh, let's see. I, I would have to say Flair's got to be up there. Uh, Flair for sure. Um, let's see. I'm going to say, uh, Stone Cold, The Rock, um, and Shawn Michaels. Okay. Okay. And of course, I, the the biggest honorable mention would have to be Taker. Okay. I respect that list. I feel like you can't have Mount Rushmore without the dirtiest player in the game and Mr. WrestleMania. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's also the Crazy Horse. It's called the Crazy Horse Memorial, not the Little Bighorn. So I apologize to any uh, Native American people out there uh, who might be offended by me getting that wrong. Oh, I apologize for not even knowing it. Yeah, it's uh, the Crazy Horse Memorial. They've apparently been building it or trying to. Uh, do this things. Uh, how long have they been working on it? I remember they're. It's going to take thirty years to complete. Apparently, as of twenty twenty two. Wow! So twenty fifty two. 
I guess so. That's when you'll see Crazy Horse's head in this on that mountain. Well, hopefully we'll we'll get to see it. I mean, shoot. Hopefully nobody hears me getting it wrong until then either. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So the first, let's get back into this pay per view. So the first match on this pay per view was uh, an eight man tag, which I didn't really think they needed, but I understand why you want to showcase all these people. Uh, Daniel Bryan, Claudio Castanoli, Mark Briscoe, and Daniel Garcia. And they were against Brody King, Jay White, Jay Lethal, and Roosh. Yes. Uh, I totally understand, I mean, the point of not needing the match, but also wanting to showcase your, your, your stars, your like assets. Um, I guess, you know, when people think, oh, Brody King and, and Roosh, you consider them assets. Yeah. I mean, they, they put assets in seats, you know, uh, yeah. Brody King coming from, you know, the Indies was a big deal. And then to have him thrown into House of Black with Buddy Matthews and Malachi Black, that was a major thing for AEW. Um, and then Roosh coming in with, of course, Andrade and doing what they were doing. But um, all eight men, I mean, honestly, for an eight-man, uh, was, it was a really good match. Really great concept. Um, you know, there was, there was some story there. There was some in-between. But uh, I definitely like the put-togetherness of the two teams. Yeah, I don't know how else you would put these teams together. I was trying to think about it while I was watching it. And I was like, eh, it makes the most sense. I mean, it also made the the, the most sense is, is kind of like it kind of kind of like a play on how WWE did um, a certain thing back in the day. Like there was a, a pay per view that WWE had. I think I want to say it was a um, like a like Survivor Series or like a uh, some kind of King of the Ring type thing where like the combatants who didn't win got to do a match at the end. But instead of doing it at the end of the pay per view, AEW decided to take the guys from the gold and the blue leagues of the Continental Classic and put them in an eight-man tag match in the beginning of the pay-per-view. Oh, that's right. One of, so four of them, each, each side was from a different league, right? Yeah, essentially. Okay. I, how'd you feel about Jay Lethal taking the pin? I, I as a Jay Lethal fan, was uh, pretty upset. Um, Jay Lethal taking the pin. I think, honestly, I, re- I probably would have rather Roosh take the pin. Um, or, or even to play on the whole um, Brody King and uh, Daddy Magic, you know, thing with Danny Garcia. Brody King could have probably took the the pin, but I mean, it, to have Jay Lethal take that pin, eh, don't he's think it was really necessary. To, he's too good for it to hurt him, though. I mean, this is true. Jay Lethal has definitely showcased his talents beyond you know needing a verification. Did you uh did you see the Iron Claw movie? I have not seen it yet. I have not it's, seen it yet and I'm really kicking myself in the ass, but I'm I'm trying to see uh, it sometime soon. It's pretty good. It's just the flare scene, you'll either die laughing or you'll just you'll want to leave the theater. <laughs> it's it's just not it's just not a good uh Rick Flair. Damn it, damn it. And I was I was seeing comments where people were like just you should have just hired Jay Lethal as Flair, and we would have accepted it. Why not? Yeah, Jay Lethal, even bald Jay Lethal. Don't even give him hair, uh, a wig, or anything. I, I'd right. still believe he's Ric Flair. Give me TNA Jay Lethal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, right there. Come out in a baggy suit. He's got it. Exactly, sweating all. So the next match was uh, Miro, and he uh, beat Andrade. Um, I actually liked this match. I I thought this should have been the first match. I like this match. I agree that it probably would have done better as the first slot on the card. I think they they did excuse me. I think that they did a very solid showing of how AEW kept the, the retrospective of the whole Miro and CJ um, divide, but also with Andrade in there and that being his final match in AEW. They kind of did, uh, they did a great job of not blowing it out of proportion or just kind of squashing him. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you Is know, that really his last match. Yeah. Dude. Yes, sir. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. His, uh, his contract was supposed to be up in the spring and, uh, he's had 
I mean, a lot of talent back there have had um, some issues in AEW, but uh, Andrade is one who's been very, very adamant on going home, which is he, he's going to be on. I'm, I'm guaranteeing he'll be on SmackDown this Friday. Yeah, I wonder if he'll get involved with the uh, LWO stuff. Why? Because he's Mexican. <laughs> yeah, I, I just assumed that's what <laughs> WWE's going to do. <laughs> No, we all know that is exactly what WWE will probably do because, you know, they brought back Carlito and he got injured or whatever storyline they wrote off on him. I mean, to have... I'm so mad about that, dude. Listen, before we go completely off the rails from the pay-per-view, just on this Andrade topic, because it's still part of the the pay-per-view, with him going to WWE and potentially being thrown into an LWO versus Santos Escobar thing. If they're going to do that, then I need Zelina Vega to once again be under Andrade as far as the manager and I guess keep um, Joaquin Wilde and the other guy with Andrade. They could do like, hey, she's bringing him in to fight uh, Santos type thing. And I wouldn't be mad at that because honestly, I don't think Carlito and Santos would give us any type of bang for our buck. Yeah, I, I was excited for that match though, and then they replaced him with Dragon Lee. I was, I was a bit, I was a bit excited, but I also kind of, I kind of felt that they would do something because of the whole Carlito saying it was his first pay per view back, and it wasn't. He did the Royal Rumble, but that's neither here nor there. Um. They they kind of gave us that tease and then took it right up right from underneath us. But Dragon Lee held his own and did a great job with that uh, replacement. Yeah, Dragon Lee's awesome. Dragon Lee is great. I, I like Dragon Lee. I see big things in his future. I don't see like a world championship, but maybe a couple uh, you, you know like United States championships, maybe some tag team gold or something. Um, that's Roosh's little brother. Yeah. Hopefully he doesn't get the Ultimo Dragon treatment, and they're just like, eh. As a kid, Ultimo Dragon was my favorite. And when he went to WWE, and then they didn't really... He, was, he wasn't there that long, was he? I know he was in one of the games. He, yeah, he was, long, he was there long enough to be in the game, but yeah. wasn't, wasn't there long enough to do anything else outside of that. I think they brought him in, and he wrestled Rey Mysterio once, and that was it. Andrade with a faction would be cool, like kind of like a since he's doing that black mask thing, like the Batman villain. Maybe he could have like a like a faction or something. Yeah, because I mean that entrance at at World's End uh, for him to come out with that mask and you know just his gear with the mask mm-hmm. and how Lana came out presented him or whatever. It was really great. Uh, I think that that ties in his whole character. Um, it does does great for him because it gives him more to uh, break toward to the crowd with. So the next match was uh, for the AEW Women's World Championship. Tony Storm, the champion, defeated Riho. Timeless Tony Storm. Timeless Tony Storm. I'm sorry. I don't need her to be knocking on my door. Right. Uh, she will take us both out. Yeah, she'd throw that shoe at us and kill uh, both of us with one, with one shoe. <laughs> uh <laughs> I looked like she knocked out Riho at the with that finish. Um, Yeah, that 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 can opener, twisted DDT, whatever she wants to call that. Um, It it wasn't it wasn't the cleanest of finish, but it definitely got the job done. And and poor Riho, she's she's a tiny thing. She weighs ninety nine pounds. I looked it up when I was watching it. Soaking wet or just you know regular? It just. I guess regular. Jesus. I mean, she's, she, if you look at her against the entire AEW roster, like the AEW women's roster, she's mm-hmm. the smallest competitor they have in that division. And I mean, hey, she, she held her own. She, held, she holds her own no matter what. But I feel like some of those moves Tony was hitting on her, Jesus Christmas. I uh I like Riho. I think she's pretty good. She's she's a she's a character. I like I like her entrance theme. Mm-hmm. Um, she she it's not it's not like I guess Yoshi it, it Tatsui. 
Yeah, and it's not like it's not like how a, how WWE would make a theme song for her. You know what I mean? It it, it literally fits. Yeah. I thought this I thought this match was kind of predictable. Like I I already kind of knew Tony Storm was going to keep the belt. Well, at least I had that feeling. It, you know, I you never know, but yeah, you never really you re- you never really know what the outcome is going to be. Uh, I mean, unless you are backstage, you know what I'm saying? But for a viewer standpoint, from a fan base standpoint, like that match did have the predictability of, okay, do we really think Rio's taking this off of Tony? I mean, the, the, the story was that, you know, the outcast took her out, spray painted her with the green L and all that stuff. But I don't really think there was enough of a story to be like, okay, Rio's going to take this title tonight. Now, the next match, I have uh, some things to say. It's uh, Swerve Strickland uh, versus Dustin Rhodes. I really wanted the Swerve and Keith Lee, and I understand, you know, an injury is an injury and can't go. Uh, but Dustin Rhodes fought his ass off in this match. Oh, it was good for what they did. I, I just didn't understand. I, well, I do understand it because he, he's provoking Keith Lee more right. by injuring right. Dustin. But I guess I just wanted a normal one-on-one contest because I know Dustin can still go. He's still pretty good. And Or if uh, you were going to do the injury thing, take him away and maybe debut somebody or, or have someone come out and defend Dustin. That's maybe. what I thought was going to happen, honestly. Uh, when, when Swerve double-stomped Dustin's leg with a cinder block, I immediately went into the back of my brain and was like, okay, somebody's coming. They have to have somebody come and save this man, and they didn't mm-hmm. give it to me. It's like to it, they didn't give it to us like that. But like you said, for what it was, it was it was really good. Like Dustin really knows he knows what to do. He's been around for so long. He right, and that's the veteran in, in Dustin. Dustin's been around the block more than a few times. You know, he was in WCW. He was in you know NWA. He was in WWE. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's in AEW. He, he's he's the wily veteran. And he knows his way around the ring, and, and his ring uh, knowledge is shown in every match that he puts on. Yeah. I just, uh, one other thing, I guess, is when you watch it, the crowd was so behind Swerve. It's, it's hard to see Swerve do, like, heelish things. And I don't know, it's weird. Like, you know he's going to be cheered because he's so over right now. It's, it's just weird for me to, I guess book him to still do uh all these cinder block and healers things it makes sense because of what they did with uh hangman adam page like you you can only keep that going this character until a certain point but i don't know i I felt like he was like so over he didn't really need to do all that stuff yeah i mean at this point swerve is is swerve i mean he he's at a point and he's at a, a a peak in his um his, I want to say, I, w- I would say his renaissance, his re- rebirth, because, um, you know, out there in Connecticut, they dropped the ball, and over here in AEW, they really picked up on the, on the like the Lucha Underground type uh, swerve, and, or just his independent circuit work. He's really matured his yeah. craft, and he's literally picked up and like took off. Yeah, WWE really missed the boat on him, and they, and it's like they, they they it's not that they wasted him, uh, because I don't think he was wasted per se. I just don't think they took advantage of how good he actually was, and now AEW is uh, ripping the benefits. Yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. The next match probably could have been on AEW Dynamite, in my opinion. Uh, Sting, Darby, Chris Jericho, and Sammy Guevara defeat uh, Ricky Starks, Big Bill, Powerhouse Hobbs, and Tedeschi. I can't even say his first name, dude. I feel so bad. Nosuke to Takeshna. Yes, there we go. So I've got a I've got a lot in this match, um, simply because Sting Sting is the icon. Okay, Tony Schiavone yeah. cannot get through a single episode of Dynamite. <laughs> Or anything rampage collision that this man is on without having a heart attack. <laughs> um, but it was, for what it's <laughs> worth, for what it's worth, like we said in earlier, eight man tags, you know, great. 
cool. You know, as long as they put it together properly. I feel like we know that Sting is yeah. retiring in March. And the way that that match ended was a blunder. And it took mm-hmm. away a lot of the element of having a Sting and a, and a Jericho teaming together um, with some of the younger cats. And, and, you know, to see Sting at the end, the way his, his facial expression looked as if, you know, he was kind of defeated. Like, um, he looked frustrated. Right. He looked kind of like how Goldberg and, and Undertaker looked at the end of their match in, in fucking Saudi Arabia. Like, dude, he knew, he knew, like, okay, here we are. This is the end of month, like, three before I'm done. And he's like, that's yeah. the match that I had. And it, it's sad. But, you know, at the end of the day. It's last you, time in New York. Right. Right. The last time you're going to perform in New York. And it was a blunder. And I, I feel like the last the closing minutes of that match was just thrown against the wall and broke apart. So I know this is a little inside baseball, but when the guys talk about a match in the back, they pretty much go over it in nauseam over and over and over and over all the spots they're going to do. And back when sting was wrestling, it wasn't entirely like that. Like they would, they would, I'm, I'm sure would go over, you know, uh, a lot of the outline of what's going to happen. And then they would go with, you know, the finish and, and certain things in the match that would uh, tell a part of the story to why, you know, like, hey, Sting, you're going to go to the outside here. We're going to beat on what's his name for a while. Then you get the hot tag. I'm sure they would go over stuff like that. But nowadays, it's more, it's talked about in nauseum in right. the back. And, and then when they go out there, they just kind of, someone is supposed to re-go over it in the ring. And I think the guys like Sting's age, uh, it's just too much to remember. I don't. I don't think it's too much for them to remember. As as per se, it's more or less because I can see it sometimes. Even when I'm watching something else in regards to wrestling, but like I feel like a lot of the newer guys or like younger guys just don't feel like taking that much direction, and they want to piece it together bit by bit by themselves as well. And there's a lot of pushback on both sides. My. Uh... My mom's husband, Adam Flash, his name, his wrestling name was Adam Flash. He he used to wrestle in the indies and stuff, and he has a guy he talks to that uh, helps produce in AEW. I don't know if I can say any names, or I don't want to give out any names. I'll I'll, I'll talk about it later. But NDA, NDA. <laughs> <laughs> what he said was that when he talked to him, I think it was a year or two ago when they were here. I think it was two. 2021 because he picked him up from the airport and hung out with him and stuff he said that they don't really want to listen to what the producers are trying to help with the matches they kind of uh ignore that to do their own thing and i think that probably plays into a lot of what they want to do they want to do a a lot of their own stuff and and it's probably overwhelming yeah i mean that it, it and it shows sometimes it really does i mean whether they see it for themselves or whether they watch it back or get something from tony khan or what have you it shows and it reflects on not only the business but like it's kind of like a slap in the face to fans when you don't give a, a crap about what it is that you're doing or you know just being careless in the ring and uh i i think me and you would could agree but the Chris Jericho stuff, I think, overshadowed this match too. Like when you're watching it, you're constantly just thinking about those Chris Jericho allegations. Right. I mean, I I, I did the NDA chant in in fun games, but I mean, it 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 was there. You can tell it was on the mind. It was something that he probably didn't want to get out the way that it's been, you know, thrown around. And unfortunately, with how things are today, with social media and all these different things, it's going to come out and it's going to be, it's going to be chewed up and regurgitated. It won't be spit out because it's going to hit the fan 16 different ways before we get the truth. Yeah. It's already spread like wildfire. Uh, the next match was for the TBS championship, Julia Hart, uh, versus Abaddon. I actually, I actually liked this match. It was kind of entertaining. I thought, what'd you think? I thought, I thought it was, it was a great, uh, perspective on, not only Abaddon's character, but the growth of Julia Hart's character within the House of Black. Because Julia Hart went from 
you know, wearing varsity jacket, like Letterman jackets and being this, you know, like the girl next door type character to now having a more darker goth type character to play alongside Abaddon's kind of like fiendish character in AEW. Yeah, I, I like I dig Abaddon's character. I like the House of Black. I dig these uh, kind of almost not super. I guess in a way they're kind of supernatural, but the uh, the dark type of characters like um, metal or uh, how would you describe this? Like horror type characters, maybe. Yeah, I feel like if if she could play this type of character, this would fit Shotzi in WWE. But you know. Not oh, not yeah, so yeah. much because like the way Abaddon carries this character, it's like it's never been done before in the women's division. Like um, it's it's come close, but not really. Yeah, I think I think you're right because Shotzi loves all that stuff too, like horror movies and and everything. I think she I think you just let her be more of her. Right. I mean, don't cut her hair off and assume you know, something's going to work. Let her be her, let her do her thing, you know, give her some creative direction, but don't like pull the leash too hard on it. Yeah. Uh, the next match was, uh, for the TNT championship, Adam Copeland defeated Christian cage, but then at the end of the match, uh, kill switch cashed in his clipboard and, uh, gave it to Christian cage to defeat Adam Copeland to gain back the TNT championship. Now this match, this match here had so many, uh, so many highs and lows, and and so many callbacks. I mean, it was announced at, at the in the during the entrances that Edge, uh, Edge, excuse me, Adam Copeland was wearing his ring gear from when he fought as Edge against Mick Foley at WrestleMania. Um, you know, they they did the whole lighting of the the table on fire. Um, it, there was so many different callbacks to them being Edge and Christian that you, as a fan watching them, you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe they, they brought that back or I can't believe that they did that. Yeah. And then the, uh, the fans were chanting TLC, which was cool. That was phenomenal. That was amazing. It's, uh, I kind of really, in, in, I, how, how am I going to word this? I got tongue tied there. I've really enjoyed this storyline or this buildup. And I think it was perfect if Edge was going to keep the belt. I thought it was kind of whack the way they did it, but I understand why, you know, there's going to be more and it's going to lead up to a third match. Right. But I, I just don't, I don't, I don't like the whole, again, I'm going to say it. It's a, it's a great value version, money in the bank, because I don't oh, think, for sure. I don't think that Christian Cage should have had any say in what Killswitch did with that clipboard. Um, but, um, I mean, it, I, I can see the direction in which they want to take the story. At the end of the day, I'm like, okay, at that point, I hope that Killswitch, by the time there is a third match, ends up taking Christian Cage, slamming him, and having Adam Copeland win that title. Yeah, I, I hope uh, maybe the the final match will be like a TLC uh, metal mayhem match. That's I would, I would calls it right. Metal mayhem. Yeah. That. Yeah. And then they have, they have their, what King of the mountain, which I, I've, I've, I've been a fan of that. It's so unorthodox, but it's amazing at the same time because of the, the whole, uh, you have to pin somebody to be eligible. And then, uh, they go into the penalty box type thing. And, uh, NXT did something similar to that, didn't they, recently? Where you get paid I was, as you go to I was just about to say, NXT has um, that whole breakout star uh, match. Or is it the breakout star? It's the, uh, they do it for both the men and the women. Um, but, yeah, there's a penalty the box. The... Yeah, it's a whole thing. Um, you know, to see both companies' takes on particular match types, um you know, of course, one might overtake the other due to like production value and, and, you know, things like that. But when you look at how AEW runs it, you're like, okay, I, I see it working how they want it to. I'm looking up what that match is called. Guys, All I know is, 30s, but hey, we can't remember everything. <laughs> All I know is Trick Williams won the men's and Blair Davenport won for the women. Yeah. Oh, that Trick Williams finish to that was was pretty spectacular. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot to you straight. I didn't think that they were going to pull something to that extent off mm-hmm. and and do it as well as it came came out. Uh, but it's I'm very Iron Man. Okay, continue. Sorry. I felt like I was rambling, but I felt like it was a, a great tie-in for him. You know, like Trick Williams winning that match just solidified that he could go with maybe the best of them. It's called the Iron Man Survivor or the Iron Survivor Challenge. There it is, Iron Survivor. I thought it was. I was trying for some reason. Every time I say Iron, I think Iron Man. Iron Man. Maybe. Yeah, I am Iron Man. The Iron Challenge. <laughs> uh, what do you think of the? Um... Iron Man match between MJF and uh, Daniel Bryan uh, earlier in 2023. Classic. If there was a Dave Meltzer five-star, that's definitely one. Mm-hmm. That was a classic match. Uh, I feel like both guys really showcased each other rather than themselves, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah. I, I understand what you're saying. I'm picking up Be- what you're putting down. Because Bryan Danielson has a skill set that is leaps and bounds greater than a lot of the, the athletes or superstars, his, his, um, his build. And MJF has a similar skill set uh, for someone his size and his stature. Uh, so the, the, the parallels really played well with each other, and they, they really took that match to new heights with how they um, put that together. It's crazy, too, how... Uh, how well MJF's uh, in-ring psychology is too. Like his just philosophy on wrestling and, and psychological uh, draw from the crowd is pretty wild. Yeah, for sure. And he he does have um, bits and pieces of like older heels in the companies. You know, not, yeah. not just from one particular company. It's bits and pieces from different territories. Bits and pieces from WCW heels, bits and pieces from WWE heels, bits and pieces from even guys from Ring of Honor and, you know, TNA. And he has, he has that it factor when it comes to his heel work. It's mm-hmm. it, not to really put him in a box, but it's Miz-like. He produced the hell out of that Iron Claw movie. Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely did. Let's just move to the Continental Classic fin- uh, final. Eddie Kingston defeats John Moxley. How'd you that feel was about a, that? Uh, that was a match we've been waiting for, I, I mean, since, what, uh, COVID? Yeah, um, since they first wrestled, I think, during COVID. Yeah. yeah, I feel like, you know, Mox just coming in prior to COVID, and then, you know, the, the you know, we get COVID hits, and the pandemic hits, and the state of wrestling changed and I feel like it forced a lot of the wrestlers to adapt and you really see which, which um, wrestlers adapted and, and it's, it shows through not only their in-ring work, but the story in which their characters took because Eddie Kingston was somebody who honestly, I didn't think would be a triple crown winner. I didn't think he would be, the um you know an roh champion i didn't think he would be the iwgp champion you know i i didn't see that and he really outshined everything he was doing yeah and this build-up too for this match from when they were teaming together to uh the blackpool combat club and and getty kingston having issues with claudio and Casanoli and the all out uh Stadium stampede match, you know, yes, all, all the way yes, to yes, indeed. Yeah, they're building it, building it up, and and it, uh, you know, people like to crap on AEW for not having long term long term storytelling, but uh, I think this uh, was one of the finest uh, examples of that of them having it because they they've built up this feud between them and. You know, they, they, did they have a match a couple months ago or they, they just kind of teased it, right? Like they, yeah, they teased it. Um, they teased it and it was supposed to go down and it, it didn't, but you know, back to what you were saying, as far as long-term stories, they may not portray a story on TV for a long time. You know, it might be 
one or two weeks and then, you know, you don't see it again. But those guys and those girls or women, excuse me, they end up coming back full circle in a match, whether it be a couple months from when the, you know, it first started and Easter eggs are dropped, you know, just the, the, just mm-hmm. to keep that story alive. They may not portray it long term, but they do long, they do reserve it and then bring it out in the need. Yeah, but, but, uh, much better said than what I said, because we've been also wanting Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland for a long time, and we haven't gotten it, and they've been hinting at it over and over uh, here and there, like you said, with the little Easter eggs, and we thought we were finally going to get it until Keith Lee got hurt. So uh, Yeah, definitely. I thought, this, I thought this match with Kingston and John Moxley started off a little slow. Uh, but, you know, once they started getting into the, the heavy hits and, and going back and forth and then the Japanese chops in the corner um, and, and all that, I think it started to really pick up. And then I really enjoyed the finish of this match because it was sudden. Yeah, uh, it, was, it wasn't drawn out. It literally happened quickly. Yeah, it was like, bam, knockout. Mm-hmm. And I really dug that. Now, I do think, this is my personal opinion, I, I think it would have been better if he never hit the um, spinning back fist like in the match at all until that moment, because I think it would have meant more mm-hmm. than when he hit the two back fists earlier in the match and uh, Moxley kicked out, I think. Uh, so I, I think it would have been a, just a better, like, wow, that was out of nowhere, and he's out. You know, so... Yeah. I, but I agree. You know, I agree. I agree. Um, but at the same time, I feel like all of all of what went on and transpired, you know, the Japanese chops and you know all that stuff leading up to that that final knockout blow was kind of again us talking about storyline. That was them dragging each other's you know indie um, stories and and them really being friends and knowing each other. That it took that all of that to put Moxley away at the end. Yeah, I, I really dug the finish. And I really love Japanese chops too. I will never take Japanese chops, but I love the machine gun chops in the corner. I look at that and I shit myself every time. <laughs> they hurt. <laughs> they hurt. Uh, I, I can imagine. The uh, main event was for the AEW World Championship. The champion MJF was defending it against the Samoan submission machine, Samoa Joe. Uh, we got the devil reveal here. Um, Samojo ended up defeating MGF clean and very clean, very clean. And, uh, I don't know. I was a little surprised. I thought maybe they'd keep the belt on MJF, but you know, there's some stuff going on now where they, he's off the roster page and he's going to be out with an injury. So I, I don't know, uh, what's going on with that, but what do you think of this match? Uh, so I didn't, I didn't really think about the outcome until it got until I felt like it was closer and closer to time for the match to be over. Um, I really enjoyed the back and forth between Joe and MJF. I what I caught wind of towards towards the ending of this match was the bidding war of 2024. You know, MJF's been saying it for God knows how long. You know, come January 1, 2024, my contract is up and I can go wherever I want. You know, things like that. And I thought in my head okay, this is Tony Khan saying, okay, well, if your contract's up and you haven't re-signed with us, then we're going to put the title on Joe and we're going we're gonna to strap it to him and go with Joe. And, you know, you figure out what you want to do uh, as far as your contract and where you want to be going forward. Um, with him being taken off the roster page, I feel like this is now a play on okay, he's a free agent, we're going to take him off of our stuff, but what the fans don't know is he has re-signed a new deal, and we'll break that to them whenever he comes back from injury. Yeah, I saw the rumor of him re-signing, but you know, there's no confirmation, and he tried to say uh, in some interview he did recently that he didn't re-sign, so I, I, I was like, yeah, you know, they'll just keep it inside baseball, like you said, until he uh, comes back. Right, I mean, because at this point, Again, like I said, with today's day and age, with social media and things like that, it's really hard for them to keep that hush-hush. I mean, it was to a point where 
you know, and I hate to do it, but going back on WWE and Survivor Series and, and their whole thing with CM Punk, you know, the big buildup was Randy Orton's return, Randy Orton's return. And then at the end of the pay-per-view, bam, you get CM Punk. And nobody thought because it was downplayed so much that he had signed and that he was going to come back. Same thing now going into this whole uh, new year and, and everything surrounding MJF. It's like, okay, did you resign or are you not? going to resign? Are you going to sign somewhere else? What are you going to do? Because he said in interviews also that he's not going anywhere unless it's like seven figures. I don't know. He might. I don't know. You think he's worth that? He's young. He's a very young, talented wrestler. And I think that if he gets the sports and entertainment aspect down, he, he could have the world eating out of his hands. Um, but I feel like Again, when it comes to a lot of the younger talent in AEW, and just watching AEW in general, I mean, when it comes down to the pay-per-views, I get it. It's on pay-per-view, and things don't really get censored often. But yeah. I don't I don't think that that's going to catapult them to have any interest outside of AEW because they can't clean it up. Yeah, you know, I was thinking the same thing because, like, every match, like on the one uh, squared circle Reddit, I was uh, – I was, uh, seeing what people were saying while I was watching the pay-per-view and some, somebody was like, there's been a middle finger every match <laughs> and uh, MJF does swear a lot. So I see what you're saying. Like, especially that four way match, oh, God, you, you're yeah. going to have to clean it up. If you want WWE to be like, uh, Hey, there's, we can have this guy on our TV and we can trust him. Right. On television. Because the, uh, WWE has gone in a, in a direction where, you know, they're more family-oriented, you know, they're, they're drawing numbers from kids and, you know, um, fans who have children and things like that. And they've got those bully programs and be a star, you know, all that stuff. And they do the whole make-a-wish. And, you know, those are things that they want to hold on to because it brings in more of a demographic than anything else. And AEW, yeah, they have certain things that close it out for them, but it's not, it's nothing compared to, you know, a WWE television where they can, they can literally bleep you like how they did Rhea Ripley last night when she got German suplex and said, Oh shit, they got her right (laughs) in there. Yeah. And, uh, they didn't bleep the rock. I'll tell you that. No, they sure as hell didn't. And, uh, honestly, um, I was a bit shocked. So, uh, would overall, what'd you think of, AW uh, World's End. World's End, I, I, I'd put it up there. I mean, I wouldn't say it, it's going to be their greatest pay-per-view of the, of the year, um, but I definitely mm-hmm. enjoyed it uh, for what it was. I mean, again, there there's going to be some gripes along the way, and there were some mishaps and miscues between wrestlers and things like that, but that's all part of being a fan and watching it. Um, yeah. You know, some people will see that and literally go, ugh. I'm going to turn this off or, you know, Oh man, I just got turned off by that. And literally you lose a viewer, but a diehard fan or, you know, somebody who just watches and and doing what we're doing now, as as far as reviewing it, you know, we can get our opinions out about it. And this is our, our platform as, as fans in kind of letting them hear it, but also like keeping it between the community. You know what I mean? Like we, we are the, um, we're, we're the voices of our of our community. We're the voices of our fandom, you know, what we like yeah. and what we don't like. Uh, what'd you think of the devil reveal? Okay. So the devil reveal, I feel yeah. like, I feel like, okay. So behind, behind all this, you and I send messages to each other a lot. And I feel yeah. like I sent, I sent you a TikTok video that literally confirmed who it was before it was confirmed who the fuck it was. Yeah. And the moment those lights went out, and Adam Cole sat in that goddamn chair. And then the other four <laughs> fellows take their masks off. And it's the Kingdom, Wardlow, and Roderick Strong. Uh, and it was also uh, MJF's two partners from when he was in Ring of Honor. Yeah. So, like, you're, you're literally, I mean, in Wardlow? I, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't expect the Wardlow thing. Now, I, I think it was pretty predictable. and, and you. That video you sent, we, I, I think we were pretty much like, that's what it's got to be, you know, the whole time. And, uh, but the way they did it was, I think, was still cool. It, it, it definitely, okay, so yes, granted, you know, the prediction was, was confirmed, but the, the reveal 
was just sweet, you know, because even yeah. last night watching Raw and, you know, the whole WWE champion coming back and they give us Jinder Mahal. And at a certain point in Jinder's speech, I go, if you smell and then The Rock comes out and I'm like, oh, shit, you know, I just I was just playing <laughs> yeah. around. But am I a god? Right. You start to think to yourself, oh, my God, I can do this. You know, I can I, I, I should submit something and write storylines for yeah. somebody. I but I, horses. Right. I should fan duel this. No, but, you know, it's just one of those things where, again, as fans, you start to read between the lines a little because with this whole devil character, we never saw the devil do anything aside from vignettes. And I mean, Given Adam Cole has a broken leg or a broken foot, whatever it is, he didn't need to do much. He had his henchmen do the work for him. Yeah, and uh, I don't know they, the the way they kept you guessing. I guess was pretty neat. Uh, did you think it carried on too long? Because I, I saw a lot of people thought it was like going on way too long. No, I I, I didn't think it went too long. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it definitely ran its course. Um, in the timeline in which it needed to run its course um, because we had it for what, two months. Um, And it went right up to the, like I said, right up to the date in which, you know, you look at MJF's whole story this whole last year and it was 20, the the bidding war that literally rode the coattail of that particular story of MJF. It went right into world's end and it literally was like, okay, here it is, boom, blows up in MJF's face. And, you know, the era of MJF is now over. So we, we won't go too much longer, but uh, you did mention uh, The Rock and Ginger Mahal's segment on Raw. We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, the tease, The Rock said, for uh, sitting at the head of the table, for him versus Roman, uh, the, the pop was crazy. For that, the from pop, what I heard, the pop, pop is wild. Is crazy. Yeah, but for sure. which do you want more, Rock and Roman, or at WrestleMania, or do you think maybe Rock and Roman's going to be at a pay per view before WrestleMania, and Cody still gets a shot, or do you think Cody is not going to face Roman until after WrestleMania? The fan in me, um, especially you know, if you watched Young Rock kind of wanted to play out the way it was on that show where he said, you know, we had a, a wrestle a match in it. A match that big was meant for WrestleMania. You know, you kind of want it to happen like that. But the fan in me wants it like, okay, so we've had all these champions do, you know, because WrestleMania is two nights now. Why not have Roman pull a two-nighter? You know, give him yeah. uh, um, give him Roman and Rock night one. And then give him Roman and Cody Knight too. I think we've talked about this before, didn't we? I think so. I think I think we sat in that goddamn truck and we had so many conversations <laughs> about this. But I honestly, I, I honestly don't think that they could go wrong if they did a two nighter. Roman, you know, yeah. is supposed to. Roman's supposed to have some time off sometime soon. You know, he's still battling leukemia and he's still got you know scars on his body from it, and and, and things are really eating him up that's why he's gone part-time but i think they could really have something solid if they if they do it you know rock and roman night one will the rock take the title if he doesn't take the title great because then night two here comes cody i'm taking that title off you dude yeah i I, um i i agree because if you have roman and rock night one you give everybody what they want and you have roman beat rock right rock passes the torch and then Roman goes into night two with all the confidence in the world. And psychology wise, you're like, Roman just beat the rock. Like, uh, I mean, obviously I think a lot of people will know what's going to happen, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but, but it still will play a little bit of doubt in your mind. And then you have Cody beat Roman for the belt. And I think that's, you let Roman take a break and then you have Cody, you know, maybe do the Hogan thing and he defends it against all the monsters, Bronson Reed, Damien Priest, whoever you want to put up against him. I mean, I, I think that's a that's another great idea. But I, I think at that point, if if Cody's taking the title off of Roman, uh, of course he then will be on SmackDown. Um, which in in turn, I mean, sure, you, monsters on SmackDown would be Bobby Lashley, uh, Solo. Um, oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Who else? I mean. 
you just get bigger, the big names on SmackDown, you put them together, and you could probably have it like that. I mean, may may God rest his soul, uh, gone way too soon, but I feel like Bray Wyatt would have been another great feud for Cody to have won a title to defend against. Oh, yeah. I think, I think what you do is you... Uh probably haven't faced solo Sokola if if he does win the belt i mean this is all hypothetical because we don't know what's going to happen after wrestlemania but if he does take the belt from roman you have him do solo Sokola first because john cena kind of helped project solo Sokoa. yeah and 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 it's like he's defending the tribal chief in a way trying to get the belt back to the bloodline Cody beats him, and then his next opponent could be, like you said, Bobby Lashley. And he can even beat Bobby Lashley in like under a minute or something. Like he could do something insane. Boom, duck to spear, crossroads, it's over. You know, and you're yeah. like, holy shit, he just beat Bobby Lashley that quick. And then maybe you have him face like uh, LA Knight or something. You have, uh, you know, you can do some kind of big. You got uh, you to heel turn one of them. You got to heel turn one of them. I know. I would. Man, you got a heel maybe, turn one of them, brother. <laughs> maybe he'll turn Cody, you know? Maybe he'll turn Cody. Full Homelander. <laughs> Listen, I wouldn't be mad at it. I wouldn't be mad at it. But I feel like his return doesn't really call for him to be a heel right now. Yeah. He's so over in WWE that I feel like a heel turn would kill his momentum. Honestly, if, if they do have Rock face Roman at WrestleMania and Cody's not in the main event at all, I feel like he's gonna. You, I don't know what else you do with him. You know, I, I honestly, I I'm with you on that. I agree um, because at that point, if Rock is going to fight Roman at WrestleMania, I feel if they confirm that, um, the only viable option then is them doing Cody versus Roman at Elimination Chamber, which then we know Cody's not going to win. Yeah, which how oh, that would suck. Because then you're gonna send that rocket ship with the Rock and Roman into orbit, and at that point we know the Rock is not going to win that title because he's not gonna come back and have a whole title run. So I mean, there's so many different things, and like I said, I, I feel like the only plausible thing to to piggyback off the ideas we've thrown out, and like you said, this is all hypothetical. You don't know what's going to happen, and, and anybody listening can definitely um, hit us up and call us gods if it does happen. But um, <laughs> would be would be for Roman versus Rock Night One. Have Roman, you know, head blown up like a fucking airhead, thinking, you know, oh yeah, I'm all this now. You know, the torch has been passed to me. It's me. It's me. It's me. And then Night Two, um, with a clean win over the Rock in Night One. Roman, of course, has Solo in his corner and uh, Paul Heyman and probably Jimmy Uso. And given all that, you'd probably get Jay Uso coming out to destroy or attack J- Jimmy Uso um, and somebody else to hold off Solo while Cody gets the pin. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'd, you know, another feud that I would like to see would if they went and did it would be AJ Styles versus LA Knight at WrestleMania. That would be awesome as well. I feel like that would definitely draw, but I also want, I, and I want it to start at Royal Rumble. I really do is Brock Lesnar and Gunther. Yeah. Did you see the, uh, I said, yeah, yeah. 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 Did you see the, um, what Bubba Ray said? Yeah, I I do, I do a lot of reading Bully Ray's uh, excerpts from his, his podcast, and um, I feel like he could be right. Um, and if you turn I, Cody heel, right, he's got to change his name. He has to. Chody Rhodes. <laughs> Rody Chodes. Rody Chodes. That's yeah. I said Chody Rhodes. Chody Rhodes, <laughs> Rody Chodes, you know, it all Rody Chodes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um uh the first of many dirt devil shoots, you know? Yeah. The dirt devils did shoot. And uh the, I think the more comfortable we get with this, we're gonna be shooting a whole lot. 
and we will become Carmelo Hayes because we won't miss. <laughs> yes, we we are them, and uh, yeah. So we're uh, I'm you're Grody Lee. I'm. I have Jody no problem Rhodes. being Grody Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Grody uh, Rody Chodes. I'm Rody Chodes. Uh, Cause I'll give you a roadie on my chodes and <laughs> uh, we're the dirt devils. And we just shoot. If you want, did you want to say anything at the end here, Gil? Did you want to send these people off? I know we're joking and stuff, but did you want to send them off with something like uh inspirational or something that you've been, cause you know, you've been listening to the podcast. I've been doing like, I've been real vulnerable and I've been talking about growth and things like that. Did you want to uh, maybe give some advice or, or anything? Listen, um, yeah, I, I've been <clears throat> I've been listening and keeping up with with everything you've been doing. I, I've got to say, you've been doing a great job, dude, and I'm proud of you. Um, and being that it is the new year, I hope nothing but success and prosperity and health for not only you but your family, um, as well as everybody out there. You know, I feel like we get caught up in a lot of a lot of crap um and to piggyback up on some of the uh, podcasts that you're doing currently not very many of us especially males are being vulnerable um with ourselves or even with our significant others or you know just with friends um for that matter and i feel like it's time that we rewrite the narrative on that you know open up more uh get your feelings across uh just make it more of a communicative uh, space instead of trying to bash someone for, you know, how they're feeling because we're all humans. We all feel, we all have emotions. We all have um, different things that we're all going through. Nobody's perfect. Um, so be more kind to the person next to you. Uh, get, a, get to know someone before you just judge them. Uh, things like that, because uh, you know, I've, I've lost several people who were really close to me um, that I loved tremendously. Uh, and it opened my eyes to certain things. And there's different, there's different things that I'm going through, you know, through life that I don't really display much of and I don't really speak on. But I've learned to kind of take a different avenue and a different approach to those things. And with that, you know, just rewrite the narrative. Rewrite the way you look at things. Take, take a second to step back, breathe in the air, and just go with the flow of things. Again, put out your, your emotions, put out your feelings, let it be heard. You're not going to be closed in a box. You're going to be fine. Um, the more and more we learn that aspect of things, I think the more and more a lot of us can come together and just actually speak to people. I couldn't have said it better myself because uh, I think Gil said it better than I would. And I love you, man. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, I think this is going to be really cool, us doing these, uh, talking about wrestling and stuff. And we'll, we'll get more into like a, a, a rhythm and, and like, a, you know, um, an organization of the way we talk and, and the things we break down the more we do it but this, I, this was real fun and i appreciate you coming on and talking to me about wrestling uh even though we don't hang out much you've become one of my uh best friends through just talking online and and sharing you know videos and stuff that we do and your support and stuff has meant a lot to me and i appreciate that and i'll always support you and your family you know just as much as you've been supporting me and uh i just want to say i'm grateful for you and uh I already said I love you, so I can't say that again, because if I say it twice, then it'll look like I'm just going to roadie chode you. It's all right. Uh, it's all right. You know, friends yeah, with dumpies. Right. Friends with dumpies. About. Compliment dumpies. Friends with dumpies. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Gil's got a dumpy. I've seen it in person, okay? And I've complimented him in person. I said, you know what? I looked at him straight in the face. I said, Gil, look at look into my eyes. You got a nice dumpy, and you better respect your own dumpy, okay? <laughs> um. There's but, no fault for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I, that's how we're gonna end it. Just make sure. sure you respect your dumpies. Yep. Always keep it tight.
spray painted the titles. We went here, we no longer your idols. Hollywood, Hulk Hogan, and outsiders. Through the wrestling world into a crisis. So life, shit was never overnight. The boss that I write, they deserve five mics. I mean, we had Dennis Rodman, Tyson. Eric Bischoff was a tyrant, the ladder he was climbing. And those black and white vignettes was the best ever provided. Pirate in the airwaves, never going off. Better tell billionaire Ted to bring us off. Scott Hall got the cattle frog. You don't want the drama, dog. Eggs Goldberg, nah, not at all. Bigger poker doom, then we laugh at y'all. NWO was the battle call. We nice with ours. No forgetting it popping. Cause life is short. And it's nothing without options. Yeah, no way out. The illest without a doubt. Opponents walk in, but they never walking out. New world order, yeah. New world order, yeah.